0: the herald angels sing. Boy, they had something to sing about that day, man. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take our Bibles, turn over, if you would, to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Last week, of course, we began our series, a series called A Choice for the Ages. And we noted John the Baptist, and he made a choice for the ages. We said that John chose to be great in the sight of the Lord. And we pointed out some characteristics and qualities that made John great in the sight of the Lord, and that well, you and I must possess if we desire to be the same. We asked uh, some pointed questions. We said, well, will you possess a humble spirit? Will you take a stand for truth and right? Will you make up your mind to be faithful to the end? John made the right choice. Even though that choice didn't come without any challenges, it came with a number of challenges. And, this, and, and we just asked, well, will we make that same choice? Well, today, or this morning, we want to consider another man who made a choice for the ages. A choice that changed the course of time. And so we look today to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And he called his name Jesus. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word. We are a needy people and we are grateful for this holiday season. We're especially grateful for Christmas. As we recognize and understand that Jesus Christ is the reason for the season, that he came to earth to live a perfect sinless life, to ultimately pay the penalty for sin by taking our place on Calvary. There he died on our behalf. But thank you for sending your son, your only begotten son. Lord, we ask that you'd bless this service now and may our hearts be stirred by your word and your spirit. May we leave here different than when we came. Be glorified, Father, in our lives. And as we celebrate the Christmas season with family and friends, may we not forget the true reason for the season, the Lord Jesus. We will thank you, we'll praise you in Christ's name, amen. The book of Matthew opens up by tracing Jesus' genealogy through Joseph's line. And it does that in order to show Jesus' royal right to the Davidic throne. From there, we are introduced now to the birth of Jesus Christ. We just read about it in verses 18 to 25, but also, we also are introduced to a man by the name of Joseph who would become Jesus' earthly father. It must be understood that although Joseph would raise Jesus and he would indeed be his father on earth, he was not truly his father because his true father was that Father in heaven. You have mother, the Mary of Jesus. You have Joseph, who in essence was a stepfather to him. But he treated him like his own son, and he, like a dad should, I'm sure, showed no favoritism toward any one of his children. A good dad was Joseph. I'm sure he was a wonderful father. And we're going to see that that's the case because he was also just a wonderful man. By the way, it's hard to be a good dad if you're not a good person. You need to be a good man if you want to be a good husband and a good father. And again, it's not just how we act around our kids that makes us good dads. It's the example that we leave them. And Joseph, we're going to see, was a good man. Matter of fact, the Bible proves that to be the case. Now, With the prospect of marriage comes great expectation and excitement. And so the news that Joseph received of Mary would have come as a crushing blow and a a sad disappointment to him. I can't even imagine how he felt when he got the news that his wife was with child or his espoused wife. And I think it's important to recognize that the term espoused is important. The Bible says that that. That Mary and Joseph were spoused, that they were together. One would say, "Well, that's basically like being engaged." Well, it was in one sense, but it carried somewhat of a contractual obligation of marriage. It was much more, um, it was much more of a commitment than even engagement is today. You say, "Well, how is that?" Well, in Jewish culture, there was literally a formal contract that was entered into between a woman and a man. And it often originated before they were even at marrying age. So basically, there, there, was, there was arranged marriages in many cases. And in this case, it's possible that this was an arranged marriage. They were betrothed. They were ultimately going to be married at some point in the future. At least that's how it would work in that culture. The boy's parents would select a girl for whom he was to marry. The two families would informally work out some details concerning the wedding or a future wedding. Then, then the second phase of that betrothal would take place once the two were of marrying age. They reached the age of a place where they could be married, and so at that point they would enter into this contractual agreement that gave the man legal rights over the woman, that he would become basically the head over the woman as in marriage. But the truth is, is at this point, they're still just betrothed. So they're not entering into any physical relationship. And she as a whole, as, and for the most part, would often stay and remain with mom and dad or in the home there until uh, there would be a formal ceremony of an actual wedding ceremony that would take place. A lot of times it was about a year after they'd entered into this betrothal, then a betrothal, I'm saying it wrong, betrothal. And then they would ultimately be married, okay? And uh, at that point, when they would consummate the marriage, they would ultimately enter into their own home and live together then from that point on. Now, again, during that betrothal period, uh, she remained with her parents at home. Therefore, there were no physical relationships that they would enter into. And if, one, if, if a wife or a betrothed wife would find herself, uh, say, uh, committing some kind of sin in that way, a sexual sin, then that was considered adultery. In the Old Testament, adultery was punishable by stoning. And so as a result of that, uh, it was a pretty serious uh, uh, contract that they entered into. It wasn't like just being engaged today. There was much more to it. It was much more uh, severe in in its consequences, and the, the commitment level was much greater. You might as well have been married, if you will, once you entered into this betrothal. Now, again, it was so binding that if it was broken, the agreement was broken, there had to be a certificate of divorcement that was actually provided. They'd have to actually divorce. Now, when the formal wedding ceremony occurred, it was a very momentous occasion. Uh, The ceremony began by the bride and the groom ultimately uh, being dressed in special wedding garments and they would proceed to the bride's house and people would follow them. They then would go from the bride's house to the groom's house. And there would be a special wedding feast that was provided and friends and family and parents would uh, gather together and they would bless the couple. It's at that point that the new couple would enter into a specially prepared place called a nuptial chamber. There they would consummate their marriage. And this is what uh, Joseph is looking forward to, obviously, and he gets this news. Man, I need to tell you, it it had to knock him down. I mean, it had to really kind of like sucker punch him, if you will. And the Bible says that now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise: when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, again, none of us probably has a very really hard time figuring out what a shock and a disappointment Joseph must have felt at that point. In 19, verse 19, he says that Joseph, however, was being, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Again, the Bible makes it really clear that that he was a a just man. That that word just uh, is going to play a part in how he's going to address and deal with Mary, who he now realizes is pregnant outside of marriage. Here's how it works. Just means guided by truth, reason, justice, and fairness. It also, as you look at it in its whole, can mean innocent, blameless, or without guilt. This is Joseph, if you will. And according to the law of Moses, as we mentioned already, Joseph could have went public with this problem. He could have easily said, listen, this is Mary. We are betrothed to be married. We've entered into a contract. The fact is, is that she is to be my wife and she is technically my wife already. And she has gone outside of marriage and committed sin. I want her to be addressed and dealt with. I want her to be publicly shamed. And he could have even had her killed. You say, that's not very nice. Well, that's the law, and that's how it works. By the way, can I just say this? We really do not embrace a proper concept of consequences today. I mean, you, you do anything you want in the world today, and everyone's supposed to just say, we forgive you and go on, no consequences, don't worry about it. Everybody makes mistakes, it's cool. I'm going to tell you something, uh, that has not helped our culture at all that's not provided our society with any stability whatsoever there needs to be consequences man if you break the, if you speed you ought to get a ticket you say i hate speeding uh, tickets Ah, me too i don't want any of them but i mean if there's no speeding tickets that are given and they say well the speed limit's 55 or 70 miles an hour but we don't ever ever enforce that law guess what people are going to be doing they're going to be doing 80 and 90 on the highway and you talk about total chaos and confusion. Man, people just driving however they want, whenever they want. You say, well, over in Germany, they're allowed to do that. I know, but they all know they're allowed to do that. And that's the law. They want that law. That's their business. I remember being over there doing about 120 miles an hour on the, uh, it, uh, the U-Bahn, and, man, I'll tell you what, that thing, people are just whoosh, flying by even at that. That's pretty dangerous business. They didn't have the traffic that we have in America let me tell you something, get in New York and try to do 120. It's going to be pretty ugly. I wouldn't want to do that right now with all the construction in Akron. So nonetheless, we've got a problem here. We've got a just man though. He doesn't want to do that. He, he, he does not want to put her in that position. He doesn't want to publicly shame her or see her stoned in any way. And so he is a just man, a, a man that is, is, is tender-hearted, a man with compassion, guided by truth, reason, and justice. He wants to be as fair as he possibly can be. He's contemplating putting her away privately, simply having a bill of divorcement and ending this betrothal. He loved Mary, obviously. He still cared for her. And Mary was a very unique and special girl, by the way. I mean, they believed that Mary was anywhere from 14 to 16 when she entered into this betrothal. And the Bible tells us about Mary. It says, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. I mean, the passage points out that Mary, she was highly favored. She, the Lord was with her. And she would, was blessed among women, not just in the sense that she ultimately would bear the Christ child, although that's the main emphasis here, but she was blessed. Joseph had observed Mary's impeccable character. You have to believe over the course of this, this duration that he has been seeing this girl and he's been saying, wow, there's a reason why I'm going to marry her. There's a reason why I'm going to enter into this marriage. I mean, look at her. I mean, she has a unique relationship with God. She, she's uniquely different from all other women. She is, has this impeccable character. She's an unusual young lady. And boy, I mean, not only that, but God now has chosen her to birth the Messiah and fulfill the Messianic prophecies. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, the angel said unto her, Fear not Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I want my wife to have, it's God's favor. (laughs) I'm glad I'm with a woman. I believe that loves the Lord and wants the favor of God in her life. I still remember before I married my wife, I remember, uh, and you don't have to agree with this, I still remember when the, she, and, she and her friend invited my friend and I over to their house one night after a, 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 a church meeting, we went over there, and I still remember the two of them going upstairs to talk about us, I'm sure. <laughs> I remember going through every cupboard, I remember opening up a refrigerator, I remember going through all our videos. You say, you're not allowed to do that. I did. You know why? I didn't want to waste my time with somebody that didn't love the Lord. I made up my mind. I know what it's like out in the world and I know what's out there. But I knew what I wanted and I didn't want what was out there. I wanted something different, unique and and special. I wanted somebody that loved God and wanted the favor of the Lord more than she wanted me or anyone or anything else in the world. Let me tell you something. You find that, gentleman, you will find a treasure. And can I tell you that Joseph had found a treasure? Mary was unique. She was so special. She was so different. She was beyond anything that he had probably seen around the neighborhood or out in the community. And man, I mean to tell you, Mary was special. She was humble. It's interesting. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, the Bible says, and Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I didn't didn't check her credit score, by the way, folks, just so you know, okay? Finances weren't the big thing, okay? (laughs) So I didn't get on a laptop or computer. By the way, they didn't have those then. So nonetheless, it says about Mary, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, she said. And the angel departed from her. She said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Hey, you're talking to the handmaid of the Lord. I mean, she was humble. She was sensitive to Christ. She was sensitive and obedient to the Lord. And Joseph knew all of that about Mary. You got to believe that. And I'm going to tell you what, when the word came that she was praying, I don't know. I don't know if Mary went and told him. I don't know if she talked to her dad and dad said, I'll make sure he knows. I don't know how this all went down. The Bible doesn't really explain to us exactly how Joseph knew, but he knew before he was told by the angel what was going on? I don't know if Mary went to him and said, oh, by the way, Joseph, man, I'm telling you what, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's on. I, I mean, it's, I'm pregnant and I'm pregnant with God's child. <laughs> He's probably like, yeah, yeah, that's a new one. You know, I mean, I don't know how this went down 100%, but what I know is that he knew she was with child and he was prepared, he was contemplating in his mind to put her away privily, he was already making plans, he was thinking about how he was gonna handle it and next thing you know, He has a dream, and the angel of the Lord shows up in his dream, and he begins to explain to Joseph how through Mary the prophecy of the coming Messiah would be fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth the son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. The angel of the Lord is... Quoting from a passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, when the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And he's making sure that Joseph takes his mind back to his early teachings in rabbinical teaching, that he understands and remembers what he's been taught by the rabbis and what he's learned from his family that there one day is coming a savior, there's one day a Messiah that's coming. He'll be born of a virgin. And he's saying, the angel of the Lord's pointing out, listen, this has been prophesied. It just happens that it's Mary, your betrothed wife. Wow, what a bombshell, right? I mean, a virgin birth? Mary, the mother of God? Me, the earthly father of the Messiah? I don't know about you, but I think Joseph probably was a little overwhelmed All of this in a moment. And the Bible then tells us he rose from sleep. I wonder how Joseph responded. Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. If you have your Bible, look there because this is where we're going to take our message from. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, here it is now, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. The Bible goes on to say, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. See, the Bible points out that Joseph rose from sleep, and what did he do? He did as God had bidden him. He marries Mary. See, Joseph made a choice for the ages. Joseph chose to obey God immediately. And that's a choice for the ages. That decision changed the course of time. That decision affected the ages. He literally chose to obey God immediately. You know, too often we contemplate or we consider our options before we finally submit to the Master. I mean, we're guilty sometimes of questioning the source of the command before we obey. Well, you know, that couldn't have been God talking. Oh, I know what the Bible says, but that can't be what it means. And you know, you know how that goes. And instead of responding immediately, instead of obeying immediately, we find ourselves kind of tiptoeing around it, hoping somehow at times even to avoid obeying it. We justify our delayed obedience by arguing that we're just making sure before we take any steps or make any decisions. I want to make sure it's the Lord speaking. I want to make sure it's not just my feelings. I want to make sure that it's really in alignment with the Scriptures. Wait a second. If you got it from the Word and it's clearly the Word of God, it's clearly the voice of God, it's clearly the command of God, I'm not talking about some crazy voice that tells you to go out and do something that's against the law of God or against the Word of God. I'm talking about it's very clear, it's obvious that it's supported in Scripture. God's telling you to do what you know you ought to be doing anyway. Why in the world do we waste time thinking about it contemplating it, why don't we just immediately obey like Joseph did? Hey, that's a choice for the ages. It'll change your life. It'll change the lives of those around you. Joseph had heard from God, and that's all he needed. He simply chose to obey. See, Joseph had an unwavering faith in God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Joseph's thinking, you know what? I'm just going to obey the Lord. I know what he's saying, and it sounds crazy. It seems impossible. It's off the charts, man. I mean, this is outrageously unique. I've never heard of anything like this ever. Man, I've talked to the rabbis, and I've talked to the men of God around here. Nobody's ever said their wives had this happen. Of course not. But he said, you know what? If that's what God's telling me to do, I'm going to do exactly what God said. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to take any time to figure it out. I'm not going to contemplate whether or not I'm going to obey or not. I'm just going to immediately obey God. Because he had an unwavering faith in God. He had an unwavering faith in God's word. Man, when he heard it spoken, he obeyed it. In Psalm 119, verse 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. How many of these commands that God has given us do we simply say, well, let me think about it. Let me give some consideration to it. Let me consider how it's going to affect my life and the lives of those around me. I know I ought to obey God, and I probably should do what the Bible says, but let's, before we get crazy about this, let's think about it. Now, none of us have ever done that, right? Joseph, however, that wasn't Joseph. Man, I mean, he had an unwavering faith in God. He had an unwavering faith in God's word. And he said, you know what? I'm going to make a choice for the ages. My choice is this. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it immediately. Whatever God gives me, I'm going to do it without question. I'm going to do it right now. That'll change your life. That'll change the lives of those around you. And certainly it did in Joseph's life. Today we feel the impact of that decision. We celebrate Christmas because there was a man of God who was willing to obey God immediately. Joseph had an unwavering faith in God's goodness. In Psalm 52, verse 1, Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? He says, The goodness of God endureth continually. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, oh mighty man? Oh, you might be strong and you, you have the outward exterior of somebody that's in control and has it all figured out, but my friend, why in the world do you dabble in, in, in mischief? Why do you boast about it? Why do you talk about how you disobey God even? Why is that a big deal? Listen, the goodness of God endureth continually. The only reason why you're still standing and you still have breath in your lungs is because God is merciful and God is good. You ought to recognize the goodness of God and do what God says. That's what he's saying to him. And Joseph's like, man, I know God is good. And can I tell you, there's no doubt that there were some obstacles as we're going to see. But he made a choice for the ages. Joseph chose to obey God immediately. And the passage reveals something about an obedience that changes the course of time and affects the ages. Here it is, one, he obeyed no matter what others thought. He didn't care what others were gonna think. He just knew, God told me, I'm going to obey God. And can I tell you, I'm sure there were people that were probably like, that dude is nuts. He's out of his mind. I'd have kicked her right to the curb. Not Joseph. He didn't care what anybody else thought. He was obeying God no matter what. He made up his mind. I'm going to immediately obey him. He obeyed God rather than his own feelings. I don't know about you, but you've spent some time trying to prepare for a wedding and you, you've got this picture and image of a girl who you think is to be, honestly, she is number one in your mind, in your eye, uh, mind's eye. And all of a sudden you get news like that, man, it's going to shake you to your core, to your very being. And I'm going to tell you, it would have been easy for him to say, man, I can't believe her. I know, I know I still love her, and there's something in me that still sees her as, as, as a person that I, I, I got to know, but I obviously don't know her the way I thought I did. Man, I can't believe she's pregnant. I can't believe that she went out and did that against me. I mean, his heart would have been broken. He would have been probably angry. He'd have been upset because you know how guys deal with hurt, they just get mad. Joseph was a just man. He was just. And Joseph started thinking, man, but this just doesn't seem like Mary to me. What's going on? When that angel speaks up, I'm sure there was probably something about it that he went, you know what? That has, there, there's got to be something to this. But then again, I mean, this is going to look bad. This is going to be bad. Man, I'll tell you what, his feelings may have even tempted him. It could have tempted him to say, I, I don't want all this mess. I don't want to deal with all that. But you know what? He didn't care about his. He, he didn't follow his feelings. He followed the word of God. And you know what? There's going to be times when God's going to tell you to do some things, and it's going to be tempting for you to say, yeah, but I, I don't know, man. It's going to create a lot of problems. It's going to be difficult. Man, I just don't feel like this is going to be in the best interest of me and my family, and I just don't. You need to be careful. Boy, if you want to make the choice for the ages, you got to obey immediately. Amen. That's what he did. You know, he obeyed no matter what others thought. He obeyed God rather than his feelings. He obeyed based upon the word of God. He said, man, this is what God said. And if God said it, th- that settles it. I don't need to, to question. I, 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 you know, that, that bumper sticker years ago, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Doesn't matter whether we believe it. If God said it, that settles it. And man, Joseph was of that persuasion. He said, man, I heard from God. I know what God said and what God wants. He told me to marry her. Don't be afraid to marry her. You just do what I'm telling you. And he said, I got up out of sleep. And the first thing I did was, hey, Mary, it's on. He obeyed completely, too. It's interesting that whenever Jesus was born, what did he name him? Jesus. Why? Because that's what he was told to do. To the very detail, the last detail, Joseph's is saying, you know what? It hasn't been an easy ride. There's been some ups and downs along the way. And man, I mean, for months now, we've heard a few things. There might have been a few people that possibly heard about this that think, wait a second, they're a little ahead of schedule. I think they just, they just tied the knot. I mean, it's going to be a rough one. I mean, here she is getting pregnant already. And I, blah, 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 I don't know what the time frame was. I don't know what all the, the obstacles were that he faced. But I, what I can tell you is this. No matter what, he was going to obey you got to get the job done. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care how he felt. He, all he cared about was what God's word said. And he said, you know what? I'm going to obey completely. You know what, Lord? I'm going to still call him Jesus because that's what you told me to do. I don't care how things have turned out. I don't care what's going on. I still believe you're awesome. I love you, and I'm going to obey you. He made a choice for the ages. Let me ask you, do you want to make the same choice that Joseph made? I mean, what about you and I this morning? I mean, Joseph had an unwavering faith in God. Unwavering. You'll never make that kind of choice for the ages. You'll never make up your mind to obey God immediately if you don't have an unwavering faith in Him. If you you don't have an unwavering faith in the in God's word, you'll never make that decision. You'll forever read through the scriptures, and when it says, thus saith the Lord, and when it tells you, in principle, this is how you ought to act and respond, you'll say, well, I don't know. I'm just not convinced. What do you mean you're not convinced? How much convincing do we need? Let's face it, in this room today, most of us know what right is and what wrong is. There's a lot of things that we already know we should be doing that we don't do. There's things that we don't do that we know we should do. The question is, why aren't we doing those things or not doing those things? And so many times we excuse ourselves and we say, Well, I'm just trying to take my time. You know, I know I should be in church, but. Well, I know I should be telling people about Christ, but. I know I shouldn't talk like that, but. I know I shouldn't dress like that, but. I know I shouldn't live like this, but. I know I shouldn't treat people like that, but. And we've got excuses for everything. But Joseph, he made a choice for the ages. He said, you know what? I'm just going to obey God immediately. And that transformed and changed his life, his family, and all those around him. And it affected you and I to this day. It affects us today. He had an unwavering faith in God's goodness. Do you have that? Do you believe that no matter how it's going to turn out? And boy, Joseph could have said, this isn't cool at all. This is going to really bring scandal. It's going to be tough. But he said, you know what? I'm just going to, I have faith in God's I have an unwavering faith in God's goodness. Whatever God wants is going to be best. So that faith moved him to make a choice for the ages to obey God immediately. John and Helen Collins, they're flying from Florida to Wisconsin on a Monday. It was a Monday like any other as a whole, but that day the unthinkable happened. John, who was not feeling well on Thursday, suddenly had a massive heart attack while he was at the controls of his own plane. That's when Helen, an 80-year-old grandma, went into action, 80 years old. While about six miles from uh, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, Helen called an air control tower to say her husband, the pilot of the aircraft, was having some sort of medical emergency and was unresponsive and that she was going to have to land the plane. The emergency dispatcher, he contacted the FAA who got in touch with an ATC. I have no idea what all that means. Anyway, a pilot named Robert Yuxonovich took off and joined her in formation. So he ended up getting in another plane and he come up and flew up beside her. So he's flying and she's flying. He's kind of her wingman now. He goes up there and he joins her for the purpose of talking her through what was about to happen. Helen would be glued to the radio as she received commands from the experienced pilot. After making several practice approaches, she landed the Cessna 414, skidding off the runway and coming to a stop in the grass she broke the nose, of the, uh, the, nose, the nose gear off when she landed. Although her husband was pronounced dead on the scene, Helen survived with only minor injuries. How could an 80-year-old woman land a plane while only sustaining minor injuries? How in the world is that possible? I'll tell you how. She meticulously followed the commands given by the pilot directing her. I mean meticulously, did exactly what she was told by this pilot, this experienced pilot. See, Helen obeyed no matter what others thought. Didn't matter what anybody would think. Well, you know, here's what he told me. I'm, I'm going to do it. The command, she, she obeyed the command rather than her own feelings at times. I mean, she, she based... Her obedience on the commands of that pilot, whatever he said, that's all she needed to hear. And she did it completely. She just kept her ear on the command of that pilot. And can I tell you today in heaven, we are following the great pilot, the celestial pilot, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you allow him to pilot your life, he'll land you safely every time. And can I tell you, in America and in our lives, in our homes, our families, when we allow someone or something other than God to pilot us and we're listening to ourselves or others, my friend, you are in desperate fear of crashing. But I'm telling you, not if you're listening to the pilot, God, the divine pilot. Not if you're allowing him to steer you and command you and ultimately give you every directive so that you can land safely, and you will. It doesn't mean hard times won't come. It doesn't mean difficulties won't show their ugly head. But what it means is that he's going to land you safely. Or oh, you'll have some bumps and bruises along the way. And you might even damage a little bit of landing gear from time to time. But my friend, let me tell you something. That'll only be because we're still just mere flesh and we're just humans. And as, must, as best as we try to obey the Lord, we're still going to make mistakes from time to time. But my friend, let me tell you, the pilot knows what he's doing. And you've got to listen to him. And if you'll do that, and you'll make that kind of choice for the ages. To immediately obey God, it'll change your life, Amen. and it'll change your family. It'll change your world, and like Joseph, it changed history. A choice for the ages, simply obeying God immediately. What's God been telling you lately? What's he been speaking to you about? You know, we make this all so complicated, isn't don't we? Well, I don't know what God's been saying. You do. And if you don't, you ain't been listening. I mean, if you literally are looking to to obey God, you're listening for his voice, you'll hear him speak, and his word will speak to you. By the way, when he speaks, you don't ever have to worry about it not lining up with the word of God, because if it doesn't, it wasn't him you're listening to. These people out there running around, God told me to kill people. You're out of your mind. He didn't tell you to do that. You're not going to prove that out of that word. But what is he telling you to do? Maybe you're having some problems in your marriage today. Have you thought to go to him and say, Lord, just tell me what to do. There's nothing I won't do. I'm going to make a choice for the ages today. And Lord, whatever you tell me to do, whatever you reveal to me out of Scripture, I will obey immediately. I'm going to seek godly counsel and find out what God, what you have for me, and what you want for me, and I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do immediately. You got some problems in your finances and you're like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where we're headed. Uh, why don't we just do what God tells us? Let's seek out the voice of God. Let's seek out the word of God. And let's say, let's just do things his way. Boy, the world has a way of handling finances today. It's called a... Credit card. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Most most people can't handle credit cards. You'd be better off to (laughs) cut them up, be done with them. We're going into debt in America. People are so in debt. Oh, I know right now the interest rates on houses are so low. It's such a wonderful thing. Be careful before you buy a house. Make sure that you can afford it. Think about if someone loses a job. Think about if someone gets hurt and has to go on Social Security. You better start thinking about the debt that we're accumulating, and then we wonder why we find ourselves in a big mess. I've got $5,000 for Christmas this year on my credit card. Why in the world would you go into debt for Christmas that lasts for just a day? And you'll spend months trying to clean up that mess. Well, I don't want people to think I'm poor. You are. So just don't act like you're anything but poor. Just say, I ain't got no money to buy you a gift. I'm going to show you all kind of love. And here's my handwritten note. Thank you. I love you. Happy Merry Christmas and have a wonderful new year. Give them a $5 gift card to Taco Bell. That dollar menu goes a long ways on five bucks. That's two meals. We got to start saying, you know what? I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a choice for the ages. I'm going to obey God. Immediately. Joseph made a choice for the ages. You know what the greatest choice you ever make? The one that'll affect the ages more than any other decision? You know where I'm going, don't you? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because of the Savior, Jesus Christ. How many people will attend a church service this year across the United States this week, next week, or possibly even on Christmas night at 12 o'clock or Christmas Eve at 12 o'clock? And they'll enter and leave the exact same way they came, lost without Jesus, Oh, they believe in God, but they've never understood that Jesus Christ is still the only way, the truth, and the life. He says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Christ is the answer. Not only is he the reason for the season, not only is he the reason we gather for Christmas and we make a big deal of it, but he's the only way that we can escape the penalty of sin. There's only two places that mankind will spend eternity. Doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what the culture has deemed truth because there is nothing that is truth that isn't in that book. Two places and there's only two. You and I will either spend our eternity in heaven or in hell. That is as simple as it gets. And the real issue is how do I get there then? Because let me tell you, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on the Son hath life. He that believeth not the Son of God hath not life. And the wrath of God abideth on him. And this is the condemnation that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. He that believeth not is condemned. He that that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he believeth not in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I quoted quoted the wrong scripture, okay? Start acting justly and forgive me, please. Can you imagine that we're born condemned in our sin already? Isn't that sad? People, why in the world do... Why in the world do people act the way they do? Why do so many people do bad things? Because we're sinners at the root. And we're already condemned before a holy, righteous God. The only way we escape the penalty of that sin is through Jesus, who was the perfect sacrifice that was (laughs) given to us 2,000 years ago and hung on Calvary and paid for that sin by shedding his own perfect blood and breaking his body. Man, we are so fortunate, so blessed to live in this time that we live in. Simply call upon the name of the Lord and we shall be saved. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Will you go to the Lord today if you've never done this and say, Lord Jesus, I know, I know, there's no doubt I'm a sinner and I have never trusted your son Jesus alone. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Jesus, come into my life and be my savior. I can't do this without you. You died for me so that I could escape the penalty of sin. I want you in my life and only you can Provide me the escape that I need. Man, will you trust Christ today? That'll be, that's a choice for the ages. <laughs> you talk about a choice. Choosing Christ as your Savior is a choice. You say, will it change my life? Yes. yes. Yeah. Amen. It'll change your life for the good. And if it doesn't change your life, then you ought to start looking into whether or not your life has ever been changed by him. Hey, I'm not going to question your salvation, but you ought to be. How in the world can someone so big move into our life and not affect us? Somehow, some way. I'm not saying you haven't backslid, maybe, but if you're not where you belong with the Lord, make a choice to obey immediately. That's a choice for the ages, remember? It'll change your life. It'll change your family. It'll change those around you, and it'll change the world. What's the point of Christmas, anyway, if Jesus isn't part of it? Just giving presents, is that really what it's about? What a joke. So expensive. Gifts keep getting more expensive all the time. I love giving gifts out, but you got to have money to do that. How much money do you got? You know what we think in America? The more money we have, the more joy we'll have. But you know what we're finding? Money doesn't equal joy. Jesus Christ is not only the reason for the season, but he is the Prince of Peace, and he alone brings satisfaction and fulfillment in our lives. Let Christ be real to you. Make the choice for the ages. Choose to obey immediately. Obey God immediately. What's he telling you to do today? Is he telling you to trust his son Jesus as your Savior today? Is he telling you to put your pride aside and go Fix a relationship that's been broken for years? Is he telling you to die to self and get rid of some things in your life that aren't drawing you closer to him? Is he telling you to include some things in your life that you've been neglecting? Choice for the ages. Obey God immediately. You'll never regret it. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We ask, Lord, that you'd bless us. We think about Helen, that 80-year-old woman who's landing a plane because she's following the explicit, detailed plans of the pilot. Lord, help us to be quick to obey you, quick to follow your commands, to do it immediately. Lord, I pray, Father, that you'd be glorified in our lives. And, Lord, there might be somebody here that doesn't even know for sure if they died, they'd go to heaven. They'd never settled that. Holy Spirit of God, convict them so greatly that they can't help but come and trust you and receive you. May they literally feel the flames of hell licking their heels and know that, Father, without you, they have no hope of everlasting life and that they will spend an eternity separated from God in a place called the Lake of Fire. God of heaven, be with us, Lord help us. We desperately need you today. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.